Hey, everybody, Adam Giardino with you, radio broadcaster for the AAA Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders, and it's time for another episode of A Call Away. This week, we're going to run through some of the highlights here in AAA walk off homers, grand slams, lots going on for Scranton Wilkesbury. We're going to chat with Kyle Higashioka, just down from a stint up with the New York Yankees. We'll also chat with Chad Green. I know lots of Yankee fans are probably wondering what happened to their stud middle reliever, key setup guy for New York. Well, we had a chance to sit down and talk with him a little bit about why he's here and what he's looking to improve upon. We'll also have my broadcast partner, the voice of the Rail Riders, Adam Marco, on for, on for about a dozen minutes. We'll talk about Chad Green. We'll talk about Ghost Kateau. He's a guy that probably isn't on too many New York Yankee fans' radars, at least coming into this year. But boy, has he opened eyes in his first year in AAA. He was the very last man added on the roster coming out of opening day with all of the injuries, all the shuffling. He was supposed to start with the Trenton Thunder, and instead Ghost Kateau got a start here with AAA Scranton Wilkesbury. And I don't think there's any turning back for him. Team leader in average, tied for the team lead in home runs, and it looks like he's just getting started. And in that conversation with Adam Marco, we'll also talk about Tim Tebow. Tebow mania swept through Northeast PA this past weekend, and we got a front row seat, and we'll tell you what we saw from former Heisman Trophy winner. As always, at the very end of the podcast, we will get the reports from the other levels of the minor leagues. We've got Matt Dean from the Charleston River Dogs down in single A. We've got Double-A broadcaster John Moses with the Trenton Thunder and Adam Marco with our report this week as well. So let's get into the highlights. Last week, the Rail Riders had a series up at Frontier Field in Rochester, and the Red Wings, well, frankly, they've had the Rail Riders number so far this season, having won five of the first six games head-to-head against Grant and Wilkes-Barre. And after dropping the first two games of a four-game series up there, Rail Riders Wanted to bounce back with a win, and on Wednesday, that's exactly what they did. Scranton Wilkes-Barre got a solo home run from Ryan McBroom, estimated at 436 feet. And no, that was not the longest home run hit by the Rail Riders this week. We'll get you that call in a little bit. But the homer by McBroom made it 2-0 Scranton Wilkes-Barre in the top of the third inning. The Rail Riders added two more in the top of the sixth, and so it was 4-0. The lead kept growing for Chance Adams, who pitched wonderfully. Adams entered that start with an ERA over 10, just getting settled into the season. But it was six innings, three hits, no runs allowed, one walk. And the final man he faced on Wednesday was Brent Rooker. Two balls, two strikes. Chance Adams, the pitch to the plate. Swing and a miss, strike three. He blows away Brent Rooker. And that ends six scoreless from Chance Adams. Nine punch outs on three hits. By far and away, the best start of the season for the Rail Riders' right-hander. So that capped a nine-strikeout performance for Adams. He gave off to the bullpen, and it was J.P. Fireisen who went nine up, nine down, three strikeouts on just 43 pitches. The Rail Riders logged their first shutout of the season. J.P. Fireisen picked up his first save. Rail Riders fell in extra innings the next day to Rochester, so Rochester took three of four up at Frontier Field from the Rail Riders, and that jumps us into the weekend series at PNC Field. A bit disjointed when the Syracuse Mets came to town. On Friday, the teams waited two hours to throw a first pitch. There was lots of rain, and then after eight minutes of game action, another storm cell popped up out of nowhere, 
waited another hour and change, and after three hours and five minutes of waiting and eight minutes of game action, Friday night's game was suspended and pushed to Saturday. So we pick it up on Saturday with Syracuse leading 5-2 in the bottom of the seventh. And the Rail Riders, they needed a rally, and they got one with a single from Ghost K. Coteau. Then Zach Zayner followed with a single. But after a Billy Fleming double play ball, that left a runner at third and two down, and still the Rail Riders trailing 5-2. Next man up, Matt Lipka with an RBI single. And then hang on for dear life, up came Brad Miller. Runner on at first. Here's the 0-1. Miller, high fly ball to right field. To the railhouse. Clears the railhouse. Home run for Brad Miller. Five all, bottom of the seventh inning. Well, in our two years here, we have not seen a left-handed hitter go there. And by there, I mean over the rock formation in right field and rattle some branches off the trees. That's tying this game in a big way for Brad Miller. When it was all said and done, 482 feet to right field for Miller. An absolutely titanic blast up onto the mountain. And if not for a chain link fence, that ball would have left the property here in Scranton. So that tied the game, and the game remained tied into extra innings. Syracuse scored a run with their pace of play runner coming home the one who starts at second base to begin the inning. And the Rail Riders got one of those themselves, but after Matt Lipka began the inning at second, he was he was caught between second and third on a ground out. And so Brad Miller reached on a fielder's choice, but suddenly that tying run was three stations away for the Rail Riders with one out and extras. But for Rail Rider fans, never fear. The 34-year-old veteran Cliff Pennington came to bat. Now Cliff Pennington is up. Couple of homers for Cliff this year. The wind blows to right field. Peterson's pitch home. Swing and a fly ball. Right field. Down the line. Liriano turns around. And it's gone. A two-run homer for Cliff Pennington. Rail Riders walk it off. 7-6 in the bottom of the 10th inning. Home run number three for Pennington, a big one for the Rail Riders as they were able to get into the win column in the first game of the series against Syracuse. Saturday was a doubleheader, so following that game, there was a seven-inning game to be played, and Syracuse won that 3-2. They never trailed, getting a run in the first inning and then two more in the third. Sunday's game was postponed, so three days against the Syracuse Mets and only two games to be played. And that meant on Monday, the Rail Riders were well-rested going out against Rochester. The Red Wings led 3-1 into the seventh, and then Rochester got to Nestor Cortez. This was the game that was started by Chad Green. Two innings, no hits, no runs, a walk, and five strikeouts. Looking stellar in his opportunity for the Rail Riders, getting option back to AAA. And then Cortez took over in the third and gave up those three early runs and then tagged for all five runs in the top of the seventh inning from the Red Wings. So a 3-1 deficit grew to 8-1, and then we go to the bottom of the seventh, and scranton Wilkesbury loaded the bases. Billy Burns was then hit by a pitch that brought home Ryan McBroom, and the bases remained loaded with two outs. A nemesis for Rochester stepped up and Trey Ambergy. Another full count pitch. Two outs. 
Bases loaded. A swing and a fly ball hit high in the air to left. Torres turns around and it's gone. Exit stage left entirely out of PNC Field. An emphatic grand slam from Trey Ambergie has brought Scranton Wilkesbury back to within a couple. Already the second grand slam of the season for Scranton Wilkesbury in just 21 games. They had two grand slams in an entire season's worth of action last year. It got the Rail Riders back to within a pair of runs, but Rochester scored twice in the eighth and won at 10-6 going away. And then on Tuesday, game two of that series, the Red Wings won 11-2, knocking around Jonathan Loisaga. Six runs all earned on eight hits over five innings in Loisica's second start of the season with the Rail Riders and second career AAA start. We mentioned that Chad Green got the start on Monday for the Rail Riders and pitched great. We had a chance to grab Chad Green before he made his first appearance for the Rail Riders and after getting optioned down from New York to AAA, the obvious question... What are you down here working on? Right now, I just get my mechanics back in sync. Um, I got a little off up there, and when you're trying to work on stuff in the big leagues, it can kind of go south, and that's what kind of happened. I'm just trying to work on too many things at one time, um, just trying to get back right. So hopefully get out there a couple times and uh, see where we're at. Is this something where you can see it on the video? Is it something where in the middle of the pitch you just know things aren't going right uh both it's like something that i've watched video and know something's off and just trying to correct it um really working with phelps in the past couple of days here to to get it right just a few simple cues um but yeah i mean it's something that i can feel as well i mean when i pitch i know something's off so um but yeah just watching video looking at video knowing something's different um which is good because it means i got something to work on so Tommy Phelps, the pitching coach, you talked about him. He was the pitching coach here when you really mm. made that big leap in AAA a few years ago that got yourself to the big leagues. What's your relationship like with Tommy? Uh, it's been great. I mean, uh, he's, he's really helped me um, yeah, make that jump, make that transition. Um, he's really good at, at knowing what works for each individual. He uh, doesn't have a cookie-cutter approach, so um, I think he's really good with that. And, yeah, he, he helped me a lot in 2016. And, um, yeah, I think he's going to continue to help me right now. Product of Louisville, just as when you played for them, they're another top five program kind of season for them. How much do you keep tabs on, on how the Cardinals are doing? Yeah, I mean, that's where we make our offseason home, so I kind of um, pay closer attention now um, that we're there more often. But, yeah, I mean, they're obviously doing really well this year. They have, it seems like they have a top ten recruiting class every year coming there. The coaches, I mean, it's the same coaching staff pretty much that um, was there when I was there. So, um, yeah, I, I tried – pay pretty close attention to them um, just to see how they're doing and yeah they seem I mean they're having a lot of success right now and um, you know it's, I think they got about a month or so left but um, yeah hopefully they can make a run in the World Series. When you say that you make your offseason home there and you do some workouts uh, what are some of the names who are some of the guys that come back with you that are alums that are working out there during the offseason? Yeah so there's um there's a few guys I played with that, that come back, but Adam Duvall um, mm -hmm. with the Braves, um, Chris Dominguez is there. Um, there's a uh, one of the top prospects, Joe Adele, works out at, at that that gym. So I mean, there, there's a good group of guys that work out there. We have about ten pro guys that that come back. Not necessarily all played at Louisville, but um, 
yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good group um, for the offseason. It's an interesting name that we don't often yeah. talk about on our broadcast in Joe Adele. He was a first-round pick yeah. of the Angels, and his first couple of years, uh, he's athletic, and you always wonder about a, a high school guy jumping into yeah. pro ball, how that transition. What do you see out of him? Because he's one of the more exciting prospects yeah. in baseball. Yeah, I've, I've never seen him play, actually. But, I mean, just from being up close to him in the gym, I mean, he's just he's just really mature for his age and he's man he's like he's got a man's body at 19 years old which is I mean it's unreal what, what he's able to do in there at that age is is impressive and that's something I could wish I could have done at that age but yeah he's got I mean he's got a bright future ahead for sure diving into the personal life with Louisville you have a brother who is in baseball as well he's a twin yeah. three minutes is the difference yeah. who's the older one and and tell us a little bit about what your brother does um, yeah, so I'm, I'm the older one by three minutes, but yeah, so I kind of took a little height from him too. He's only about five ten or so, so he's kind of he's not too happy about that. But he's kind of let me have it my whole our whole life. So, um, but yeah, he actually um, he, he was a, a assistant coach for a couple of years at a small college outside of St. Louis. Um, but right now he's uh, not doing that anymore. He's working in medical sales, but um, back in our hometown. But um, he's enjoying it. So, um, but yeah, we, we keep pretty um, close tabs on each other, and we, we try to talk as much as we can. And what was his playing career like? Did he go to college and play? Yeah, he played at uh, he played at SIUE. Um, he played there for five years. He got hurt one year, so he ended up redshirting one year. But um, yeah, he was um, yeah he had a really good career there. Um, didn't end up playing pro ball or anything like that. But um, went the coaching right after he got done playing. But yeah, um, he had a pretty good career for five years. Welcome back inside a call away. Time for some broadcast banter. Joining me, the voice of the Rail Riders, Adam Marco. I'm Adam Giardino plenty of places for us to to go with this one we've got some ghost k kato talk i think uh he's a prospect that's off the radar for many to begin this year and based on the way he's played this year he's certainly gotten himself on our radar chad green made an appearance for the rail riders this week we already heard from him earlier in the podcast and well we had the the mania of vladimir guerrero jr sweep through pnc field a week ago and tim tebow came on through shortly thereafter so Let's start with Ghost K. Coteau. He's an infielder, second, first, third, short. He's played all four positions so far for the Rail Riders. In effect, he was the 25th man on the opening day roster for Scranton Wilkesbury. And when it's all said and done, he's the team leader in batting average and tied for the team lead in homers with Mike Ford. In an era where the New York Yankees need versatility, they need players that can play multiple positions. This is certainly an option for New York, it appears. He's played his way into this conversation. I've been impressed with what we've seen out of him so far. Certainly the home runs, the five home runs, are a surprise. He is nearing his career high for a season, and we're still trying to finish the month of April. So that's certainly part of it. Maybe the dynamic with the new baseball has attributed to some of it. Maybe it's the tutelage of Phil Plantier, the Rail Riders hitting coach, that has attributed to some of it. But I do believe that we're seeing the blossoming of a potential star for New York, a guy that, you know, is he going to go up with the fanfare that Glaber Torres did or that Aaron Judge did prior, Gary Sanchez prior? That Probably not. But it could be one of those guys where he gets to the major leagues and the initial reaction is, who? I haven't heard about him since a call away. And then he gets there <laughs> and he has that ability for a, let's say, occasionally beleaguered club with the injury side of things to fill in in multiple spots, there's no more valuable an individual than a guy who can play all four positions on the infield. 
Is he a prototypical first baseman? No. Has he been serviceable there? Has he been solid there? Yeah. So I think there's an argument to be said that he could be a guy that could fill in for New York if needed for a couple of weeks at a time if one of those next injuries happens if or the Yankees don't get healthy. So I've been impressed with what we've seen from him on the field. His demeanor away from the field is great as well. He is a very happy guy, a guy that, you know, just seems to be enjoying life at this moment in time and could only get better if he's playing in the Bronx. And he's somebody that, for what his background is, he's a a former second-round pick back in 2013 out of high school in California, and he's never really put up numbers where he's gone up until this year. Even coming off of last year, he's a 230 hitter in Trenton over a full season down in AA, and you just sort of figure... All right, if he hits 230 in AAA, that'll work as your extra infielder right out of the gate until some guys get healthy. And he has more than earned his way onto this roster for the rest of the season, I would think. He's somebody that has been the best player for this team right out of the gate. You you compare him to not a Glaber Torres, but I think Yankee fans right now are pretty excited about what Giovanni Urshela is doing up in the big league. Someone that goes up and just puts numbers together and doesn't really do it with any particular spectacular tool. But when it's all said and done, when you look at the the full balance of the numbers that he's putting together, I think that's the kind of profile that you might see from Ghostke. I would almost liken him, not Urshela per se, but Tyler Wade, that ability to play multiple positions. We never saw Wade play first base, but it wouldn't shock me if you gave Ghostke a glove and said go to the outfield that he couldn't track a ball in right left or center somewhere along the way that he could provide that ultimate versatility like a Tyler Wade you know Urshel has been phenomenal but to me he is the left side of the infield and he's a guy that can play three spots on the infield maybe more a protocol prototypical first baseman than Ghost K ever might be just from that build from that body size a lot of versatility is not a bad thing for the Yankees especially as they've fought their way through this first month of the year. Gosuke is 6'2", 195 pounds, adding weight, that frame of his. He definitely has room to get up to 210, 215, and it seems like there's plenty of room for growth there. And to answer your question, 550 games in the minors. We haven't seen it yet, but he has played eight games in the outfield in his career. It wouldn't shock me if he would do it very well. Well, a guy that pitched very well for us recently here in AAA was Chad Green. He got the start on Monday against Rochester. He was going to go two innings. He wasn't going to transition back to a starting role. He's still going to be that bullpen arm, but they gave him innings one and two just to get it out of the way, and he was electric. That's the best word I can use for it with the numbers that he was able to put up against the Red Wings. One of the things that I read about the change, and you send him back down to work with Tommy Phelps and kind of have Tommy as the pitching whisperer, somebody who can talk to these guys. And they have the ability to see their mechanics from the last few years. And I know that's something they're working on with Green. And it's a little bit of how he's coming to a set position, how he is bringing the glove, whether it's lower, higher, and just refining those mechanics just ever so slightly to bring him back to a consistent spot. So I think there's a lot that Green can do down here, even if it's only a 10-day stint in the minor leagues. Things that he can do to regain confidence and get back up to the big league level, start chopping that ERA in half, and then do it again and again and get back to the numbers where he was the last two years for New York. 
We saw it from Jonathan Holder last year where he came down from the big leagues for a, a quick burst here in AAA, not injured, just to get some things back in order. And when he went back up to New York, he really did put up some pretty good numbers. Guy that uh, hasn't put up good numbers, but he's certainly garnered a lot of attention here in AAA is Tim Tebow, somebody that uh, just came through town. We got our first look at Tebow with the Syracuse Mets. And what was your takeaway from what we got to see out of him in a couple of games? Oh, number of things. First of all, he's still a draw. It doesn't matter if he's hitting 270 or if he's batting 164. People come to see whatever it is that Tim Tebow is as a baseball player. He's an exceptionally gifted athlete. There is no denying that fact. And how Tebow handled himself, his ability to go out and sign autographs and still be one of the players... You know, the ballpark here at PNC Field, Music, there's a bridge over top of the bullpens. And on Saturday afternoon, when we actually really got to play a fair amount of baseball, all of eight minutes played on Friday night due to weather, the bridge was just covered with people. Tebow's a left fielder. The bridge is out in left field. So everybody everybody wanted to get as close to Tim Tebow as they possibly could. He went 0 for 5 in the game. It wasn't a good performance at all. He was perhaps at times overmatched. And I didn't see any really solid contact in those five at-bats. He didn't play in game two of a doubleheader on Saturday. And then we didn't play at all on Sunday. We'll get another look at him this weekend in Syracuse. I'm not sure where he is in the progression of, you know, an opportunity to go to the majors. The numbers have not merited that call-up yet he's still a ways off from hitting 200, let alone being a guy that could go up and contend for a starting outfield spot or even a 25th or 26th man spot. Maybe that's it. Maybe New York brings him up for a doubleheader at some point as their 26th guy if they think they can get by without the pitching. If only because the ticket draw, not that New York is struggling, but the ticket draw is so incredibly amazing. And it's something that's followed Tebow from his time in the South Atlantic League all the way through AAA, that clubs see an increase of attendance. We were at 5,800, I think it was, on Friday night, right around there with a game that played all of eight minutes and had three-plus hours of delays because people wanted to see Tebow. We get to Saturday, and we had over 6,000 in attendance for an April Saturday. That's a pretty good crowd here at PNC Field, the second-largest crowd of the season. So there's the baseball side. There's the public persona such a great person it seems for charitable aspects and being involved and and recognizing his role as an athlete but as a human (laughs) quite honestly yeah so the baseball is the one thing that's almost lacking at this stage he did well in double a we're just not there yet in triple a my question for you is this then the average is right around 160 right now for tebow as you mentioned, it's going to be a real bear for him to get that thing up over 200 before the All-Star break, before game 100 of the season, somewhere around there. What are the Mets going to need to see numerically from him in order to make that promotion in August and September where they're not going to be ridiculed? Does he need to hit 280 over the month of August? 260 over the month of August in order for them to warrant calling up a 31-year-old and just giving him that shot at the big leagues? Well, you also have to look at the complexion of what Syracuse's roster is right now. Is Tim Tebow the first option to come up from Syracuse? 
if the Mets lose Michael Conforto or Brandon Nimmo from their outfield? No, because they have Carlos Gomez. They've got 6,000 games of Major League experience in their lineup top to bottom. So the first thing is opportunity. Is Tebow going to go up even if he's hitting 250? Probably not. I think you go to Carlo, Carlos Gomez. You go to Rajay Davis. Guys that have been in the major leagues and would have to be put on the 40-man, and you would certainly lose them if you had to DFA them at any point in time. So even on his own roster, he's third in line at least. I just don't see it in the next couple of months. You now, you mentioned August. Who knows where these guys are, if there are any opt-outs that happen June 1st, July 1st, so on and so forth. But I think when you get to a September call-up, why not? You may be getting to the end of the lifespan of this, so why not give it a run and see what he can do? If he hits 220, is it good enough? If he hits 190, no. But I think you give him that chance in September no matter what. I do because, especially when you're talking about DFAing a guy and not getting him back, if you put Tim Tebow on your 40-man roster in September and you DFA him during the offseason, I don't think there's another team out there that's willing to throw him on their 40. Sure. Based on the numbers that we're seeing, based on the production, and based on what we're hearing from scouts. They've got a lot of talent in New York. They've got a lot of experience at AAA with Syracuse. I think they're comforted by the fact, probably, that they don't need to be pushed on it because they have Davis and Gomez that they could call up and everyone would be like, okay, this is a major league outfielder. It's not the guy they want, but Toronto's been dealing that for with a couple of years right now with Vlad Guerrero Jr., and they're going to deal with it again with Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio. So the Mets did right by a couple of guys, Pete Alonso, this past year. I, I think the public perception, they would be okay if they didn't call Tebow up. Adam Marco, thank you for joining us on another week, another episode of A Call Away. My pleasure. Coming up next, we have a conversation that you, Adam, had with Kyle Higashioka earlier this past week. Catcher for Scranton Wilkesbury was up in the big leagues with Gary Sanchez going on the disabled list. And we asked Kyle about Tim Tebow, so make sure you listen to that answer about what he thinks about Tebow mania. But the first thing we got to when we talked with Kyle was that hot streak up in New York and what the mentality was and has been for players as they get called up the revolving door and just stepping in and immediately finding some success. Back on the Rail Riders Baseball Network, Scranton Wilkesbury opening a series against the Syracuse Mets. Now the AAA affiliate of New York is playing in Syracuse after years of being with the Washington Nationals. Tonight on the pregame, we talked to Kyle Higashioka, learned a little bit about his last couple of weeks, time back up in the majors with the New York Yankees. And Kyle, a lot of it for a lot of the guys we've seen go up and down and up and down, injury-based for New York. We look at those injuries and we see the next rail rider up for the Yankees. When you're in that big league clubhouse, though, what's the mentality of the Yankees, how they're approaching these injuries and really overcoming it by winning seven of eight, eight of nine, still putting together wins regardless of who Aaron Boone puts in that lineup every day? What's the big league mentality on all of these injuries piling up? Um, I mean, the mentality that we all have is that when we uh, when we go up and, and step in, um, that we can get the job done. So uh, I, I think we wouldn't we wouldn't be in that position if we didn't think that way. And um, you know, 
uh, all of us who have gone up, uh, I feel like it's we, we've done a pretty decent job. Um, you know, put together some good wins, and uh, you know, it's uh, they've they've been on a roll lately. You had the chance to be up there for the last couple of weeks with Gary Sanchez out working with Austin Roma, and it's a scenario that you were in last year, a very similar scenario with Gary out. What do you pick up from Roman, or what do you pick up from Sanchez in these trips to the major leagues that you bring back, even if it's just one little nugget here or there that kind of changes your approach or how you look at it? Um, usually me and Roman, we, we talk a lot about the pitchers, um, you know, how to handle them, how to also how to call pitches for the opposing uh, hitters. He, he's been around the league for a long time, so he's got a really good grasp on um, pitch calling and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, working, being able to work with him is, is a big help. This past week, we've had Stephen Tarpley and Joe Harvey pretty much. We use Scranton Shuttle as a way to get us to New York, but these guys are all over the country with the Yankees out in California. How difficult is it for a player like yourself or for Joe and for Steven to be back and forth and have to go from, you know, California to Buffalo or Rochester or back, you know, how easy or difficult is it that transition? Or is it enough that you're back on the big league roster that you're like, I'm ready. doesn't matter where I'm playing. Yeah. I think, uh, I think any one of us would probably be just glad that we're going back to the big league. So, um, you know, that, that little bit of, maybe inconvenience of traveling all the time is, is nothing compared to just being back in the big leagues. Talking with Kyle Higashioka, Rail Riders catcher in the lineup tonight for manager Jay Bell. You've been with the Rail Riders a few different seasons now. You've had a few different managers. Give me your take on Jay. What type of manager is he, especially to catchers? Uh, he's a great manager. Um, you know, just playing for him this year for the limited amount of time I have. Um, he's really laid back. You know, lets us lets us kind of go out there and play, and uh, you know, trust our abilities. And uh, you know, he's really really open with us too. A good communicator. So it's it's been a, a really fun time playing for him. Take me through a little bit of your game. What's different about you as a player this year than you were, say, April of 2018? Um, I think just you know, with with every little bit of experience that you get in the majors. Um, you, you get to learn and, and improve. And, you know, I've tried to take all that to heart and, you know, just improve my game as much as possible, whether it's pitch calling or, um, you know, on defense or even at the plate. Um, you know, every, every bit of experience helps. Lastly for you, with Syracuse in town, now a Mets affiliate, they've got an experienced AAA lineup. They've got, you know, Carlos Gomez and Rajay Davis, but – they also have one of the biggest stories in baseball these last few years in Tim Tebow. What is a player's take on Tebow? You know, a former football player, Heisman Trophy winner, in his 30s now playing the outfield for a AAA club. Is it marveling at the spectacle? Is it respecting him as an athlete? Is it somewhere in the middle? You know, how do other players, how do our players view this Tim Tebow experiment or you know, process to see him get to the majors? Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I haven't really thought of it much. Um, you know, when we, when we play against him, you know, it'd just be like playing against another player. So, you know, hopefully we can get him out four times or whatever, however many times he comes up. I mean, that's always the goal for any player. So, um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about it much.
I think it puts it in like that same spectacle. You know, we just saw Vlad Guerrero Jr. very briefly with Buffalo, but it's almost a star that's transcendent for reasons other than just baseball. Now, Vlad, that's a different story altogether. Kyle, thank you for the time. We'll talk again later this year. Starting lineups next, this is Rail Riders Baseball. Adam Giardino back here with you on A Call Away. And as we get close to the end of this episode, it's time to take a listen around the rest of the New York Yankees organization. We've got reports from Matt Dean, broadcaster for the Single A Charleston River Dogs, John Moses, broadcaster for the Double A Trenton Thunder, and our very own Adam Marco providing a report on what's been going on here in AAA. Without further ado, Matt, take it away. With this look at the Charleston River Dogs, I'm Matt Dean. The Dogs have continued their home struggles to start the 2019 season, having been swept by the Kannapolis Intimidators in a three-game series and now sitting at 10-13 and 13, heading into Sunday's homestand finale. While the River Dogs have struggled with consistency on the offensive end, ranking in the bottom five in the league in hitting and runs scored, their pitching staff has continued to dominate opposing lineups, leading the South Atlantic League in strikeouts after Saturday. In an impressive rotation that opened the year with five of the Yankees' top 30 prospects, right-hander Luis Heel has stolen the show so far, turning in 10 shutout frames over his last two starts, including striking out eight on Saturday against Columbia. For a hard thrower that's touched 101 miles an hour as recently as spring training, it's more than just pure velocity that the Dominican Republic native has used to overpower opposing batters, according to his manager, Julio Mascara. He could throw it over the plate or maybe up in the zone and hitters are going to try to jump and try to catch up with it, but it's kind of a tough because he's got such a quick arm stroke and the ball gets into hitters a lot. And, but it was, you know, with all that being said, it's good to see him, you know, more focused right now and he's in, in throwing strikes and, you know, you can tell that he's growing a lot from last year. Through his first four starts of the year, Heal has a 1-0-4 ERA with 26 strikeouts to 11 walks in 17 and a third innings, having not allowed a run in his last 11 frames. The Dogs finish the homestand on Sunday night before heading out for a week-long road trip that starts Tuesday in Kannapolis. With this look at the River Dogs, I'm Matt Dean. With the Trenton Thunder, I'm John Moses. Since last Friday, the Thunder have been rained out three different times without throwing a pitch and played two doubleheaders on their way to a 3-3 three and three record. The Thunder currently feature two different players, Brandon Wagner and Ben Ruda, who grew up attending games at Arm & Hammer Park. While Ruda and Wagner were both in the seats for some of the major rehab games hosted by Trenton during their youth, Ben had the unique opportunity of playing on the field for nearby West Windsor Plainsboro South High School. I played about four or five games in high school and Legion combined here. So, I'm, I mean, I just remember being on the field, like, ah, it's so, so cool to play on, like, a professional field. And I'm just looking around like, man, this field's so big. I don't know how these guys do it. Ruta has been one of the best hitters in the Eastern League through the season's first month, leading the league in hits, batting average, on-base percentage, and stolen bases. Wagner, meanwhile, has had a slight run of bad luck at the plate, but showed off the power in Saturday night's doubleheader sweep of the Erie Seawolves. Next offering to Wagner is swung on and crushed. Deep right field. That ball is in the Delaware River. A solo home run for the pork roll bash brother. And we are tied at one. With the Thunder, I'm John Moses. With this look at the scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Heading into play on Sunday, club is 10-10 and 10 
Splitting up activity so far this weekend against the Syracuse Mets. Scranton Wilkes-Barre started a game on Friday night and after three hours and five minutes of delays was ultimately suspended and finished in emphatic fashion Saturday after a 482-foot home run from Brad Miller to tie the game. Cliff Pennington gave the Rail Riders the win in extra innings. Now Cliff Pennington is up. Couple of homers for Cliff this year. The wind blows to right field. Peterson's pitch home. Swing and a fly ball. Right field. Down the line. Liriano turns around and it's gone. It's now 26 home runs for the club through 20 games this season. Rail Riders outfielder Zach Zaner gave us his take on these brand new baseballs, the major league balls that are now being utilized at the AAA level. You, when you barrel it, you know it's going. Uh, last year, I think there's some balls in the gaps where you're like, ooh, I got it, but I don't, you don't know if it's going to land. And so I think this year, when you barrel something up, you get rewarded. I uh, don't have any homers yet this year, which is tough um, with the new balls, but I think it, you know, if you do your part, the ball goes, and that's, that's really nice when you're doing that. With the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. That is going to do it for us this week on A Call Away. Big thanks to both of our guests, Kyle Higashioka and Chad Green. Big thanks to Adam Marco for joining us on the broadcast banter segment of the show. And thanks to John Moses and Matt Dean for sending their reports this week from the other New York Yankee minor league teams. I'm Adam Giardino, and you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Giardino, G-I-A-R-D-I-N-O. And you can follow along to Rail Riders Baseball all season long on the Rail Riders Radio Network, on the TuneIn Radio app by searching SWB Rail Riders, and on the Minor League Baseball MILB First Pitch app as well. Hard to believe we're already five episodes into this endeavor as the Rail Riders turn the page on the first calendar month of the season. We'll be coming at you with the podcast each and every week. We'll talk to you again real soon.